0: Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hello, how is everyone? Excellent. Me too, me too. It's um, Good to hear from you all. Uh, It's great to be with you all today. My name is Adam, if you missed it earlier. Um, thank you from Sean for the intro, um, and I hope you've enjoyed 2023. It was fun looking at the list and like seeing all of the the big things and the small things and the good things and the bad things that happened. Um, and I love this time of year when we kind of reflect on it, kind of looking back on, on all the great things that have been happening and all the bad. And I always feel really optimistic, really positive, and full of like. I don't know, like it's cool, like we're switching into a whole new year, Like time is progressing and uh, we're one year closer to death, but, um, uh, but 2024 is here, it's a couple of hours away and I don't know about you guys, but I love making my resolutions, uh, I'm very positive, very uh, optimistic that I will keep them and then it gets to mid-Jan and you go, I paid for a gym membership that I haven't used in the two weeks. Of this year, uh, I'll just cancel it. Should be right. I don't need that. Uh, we always start out optimistic, and then phew, the year gets ahead of us. We start the regular rhythm, and I think sometimes we just we're looking inside ourselves for our wants and our needs, and our desires. I want to be a certain person. I want to do a certain thing, and we never think to go, "What does God want for my 2024? What am, what is His what are His plans?" Uh, Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. The labor, labor is labor in vain. So tonight, I can just take a moment, sit together in the Word, and listen to what God has to say, because He has something for our 2024. Let me pray, and we'll get into it. Our Father, we ask tonight for Your Spirit to grow us, to reveal Your love to us, to transform us, In 2024, please give us ears to hear what you have to say to us and hearts that are willing to change. In Jesus' name, amen. So yes, today, just for today, we're in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. And if you're new to the Bible or you're just exploring Jesus, uh, Ephesians is a letter written by a guy named Paul to a little church in a big city called Ephesus. And here's how the letter is structured. If you kind of crack it in half, you've got Ephesians 1 to 3, which are phenomenal cosmic truths uh, from the beginning of time to the culmination of all history to the fullness of consummation of all of history. Uh, Big, huge time scale. People being brought from death to life. New families being created. uh, God, our Father, becoming our Father, which is incredible. And then in chapters 4 to 6, the second half of the letter, he says, how do you apply that to your life? What's that going to look like if you're in real life, your nine-to-five, your day-to-day. He says things like put off the old self, which is being deceived, put on the new self, like change your entire life. Your entire identity as a person needs to change because of this. And then some things are kind of nitty-gritty. He says obscenity, foolish talk, crude jokes. They're out of place in Christian life. Like the very jokes, your humor changes because of what's happened on the cross. And then right in the middle here, we have Ephesians 3, Paul's New Year moment. Switching from one year to the next as we are, he's switching from one topic to the next. And as we're taking lessons from 2023 into the next year, he's taking cosmic truth into your life. And he says, how does that happen? What's the, what's, what's gonna, what do you need to grasp this into this? Tonight we're going to look what you need, what I need, is power and love. Love and power, which is very hippie. Uh, Love is all you need, but it's true, and we'll see it tonight. Uh, It might sound a bit like nonsense, but uh, let's follow Paul through his thoughts, and then we'll see. uh, Easy as. First, that the Holy Spirit is the best sparky. Number two, love comes with free refills, and God's work God's glory works cyclically. So let's have a look together. Uh, Crack open to verse 16 there, chapter 3. Paul prays, out of of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. How uh, do we get divine power to change? What is divine power used for? Uh, We're going to look at the first question for a second and then move to the second. But first we see that the Holy Spirit is the best sparky. Uh, divine power, he says, comes through the Spirit. Uh, Verse 16 and 17 there, Paul prays you will be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Power comes through the Spirit. Uh, That power makes us strong, big muscles. Uh, What is power, though? Power is just the ability to do something. If you can do something, you have the power to do it. I have the power to lift this computer because I have the ability to do it. Uh, A light bulb has power to turn on. Where does power come from? This power plant, you have a light bulb and a power plant, and what connects the two? Kilometres of of copper wiring, of uh, conductive material, connecting it to this power plant. In the same way, Christians are connected to cosmic power, to divine power, through the Spirit, like a cosmic copper wire, connecting us to infinite divine power. Isn't that incredible? Uh, What does that power look like? We're not light bulbs. We don't glow. Uh, Obviously, we don't do that. But as we are connected to divine power, what happens for us? Flip a few pages earlier to Ephesians chapter 1. Here we have Paul's other prayer in Ephesians, at the end there. Verses 18 and 19, he says, I pray that the heart, eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. So what does power through the spirit look like, that cosmic copper wire? Power is resurrection power. It is the same power that gave uh, animation to a, a corpse. It brought a corpse to eternal life, to immortal life. And that power is now at work in you who believe through the Spirit. Yes, that's what it, it means for us to be Christians, in fact. Verse 16 says, the Spirit gives us divine power in our inner person, which is to say Christ dwells in your hearts through faith. We're not talking... Don't misinterpret me and uh, that... Power through the Spirit is not speaking in tongues, it's not healings, it's not miraculous things. It is simply believing and Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith, which again is not as simple as it sounds. When Christ, the Lord of life, dwells in your heart, life itself sparks up. Ephesians 2 says we are brought from death to life by the gift of God, by resurrection power coming in through grace. When uh, that phrase there, Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith, when you hear that, what are you thinking of? Because when I think of dwelling, I think of my wife. Uh, This morning, we woke up, had my cup of coffee, did a few things around the house. She got dressed, I got dressed. And because we dwell together, uh, some inevitable things start happening. Uh, I walk out, I see Laura is wearing pretty much the same outfit as me. This is awkward. <laughs> One of us needs to change. Uh, why does that happen though? Because Laura dwells in my life. She's there with me all the time. As she's there, her presence changes who, who I am, what I dress like. I used to get, be a guy who wore board shorts to like events. What were you thinking? <laughs> Praise God for Laura. <laughs> In the same way, Christ dwells in your hearts through faith, and so as he dwells there, he is changing you. He is making you like himself. As he lives with us, we become like him. And when you're connected to power, Jesus dwells in your heart, you start looking like him. So back to the passage, verse 16. He says, I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What does that mean now as we thought through it? It means Jesus is into DIY. He's renovating. He's making us more like himself, renovating our hearts to look more like him. What did Paul call that process? Divine power at work in you. Power to make us alive and then more alive and then more alive, more like Jesus. So that's what Let's think about what that means for a second. When we talk about maturity, Christian maturity, think of things. you think thinking of things like fruit of the spirit. You're thinking of uh, that love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As you're growing in these things, that's the fruit of the spirit. Why the fruit of the spirit? Because it is the spirit himself, God himself, bearing his, his character in your life. When you're a little bit more patient with someone, someone cuts you off in the street and you forgive them, that's the divine spark in you flaring up. That's God himself. When you're a little more kind, a little more generous than you would have been, that is God himself. Uh, Henry Skugel wrote this in 1677. Oh, thank you. Uh, he says, Religion is a reflection of the divine perfection. The image of the Almighty shining in the soul of man is a real participation of his nature, a beam of the eternal light, a drop of that infinite ocean of goodness in you, as you believe. That's the people knew how to speak back in 1677. That's 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 top tier, that's good stuff. But what else is Paul praying for personally? Divine power would do it for me. Uh, we we'll see further on, what is he praying for? You see there, love comes with free refills. See in uh, 17 and 19, it says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Yeah, It's pretty self-explanatory, but uh, let's just walk through it together, shall we? It starts in verse 17. You are rooted and established like a tree with its roots dug deep into love or a house with its foundations sunk deep into it. We are planted in love. You see that uh, back in chapter 2, he says, but God, because of his great love for us, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Or even further back in chapter one, in love, God predestined us for adoption to his sonship through Jesus Christ. So if you are a Christian, you have been adopted to sonship. You have this adopted dad who has bought you at a price, who has brought you into his family just because he loves you. Nothing you've done could have earned it. It's the kind of love we're talking about. He says earlier in, chapter, in verse 14, Paul appeals to the father from whom every family is named. If you know anything of familial love, of what it means to have a father, that is simply a shadow, uh, a fragment of the love that God has for you. It's not based on merit, not beauty, not goodness. God's just drawing near to you, drawing, him, drawing you to himself. In fact, uh, Ephesians 2 says because of our sin, because of our rebellion, our rejection of him as father, we are spiritually dead. Why does God love you then? Because he chose to. Because it's who he is. When you came to believe in Jesus, God planted you like a sapling into his love. Your roots started. And so the question then is from the passage... If you're planted in love, why do you need power to grasp it? Well, we've already seen here in Ephesians, at least. Power is aliveness; it's being spiritually alive. Uh, Let's—I saw a couple of um, kids at the beach the other day, and there was a dead fish, and so naturally, as a kid, what do you do? You you poke it. Um, it wasn't—it wasn't me, I swear. Uh, I imagine, though, if the fish were alive, it'd say something like, hey, stop that. It hurts. I'm I'm experiencing pain. It didn't say that. Uh, First of all, it's a fish. Second of all, it's dead. And so in the same way, the fish can't respond to pain, it can't experience pain, we can't experience love without being alive. Without receiving power to be alive, you can never experience, you can never taste or feel the love of God in your life. If you're never alive, you never experience it, you never feel it in your bones, you need that power. As you become more alive, you get more power, you become stronger, then you can experience more and more and more and more and more and more love. Uh, so what is Paul praying for these Ephesians? He's praying, go back for refills. He says, there to grasp that love. and To grasp is, in Greek, more like to clutch eagerly to look at love like a kid looks at toys in a sandpit just scooping them together like, I want all of these. Uh, I took a trip to California when I was 16. When you're 16, things are amazing. Uh, it's a beautiful place. Would recommend Disneyland's there. Universal Studios is there. That's basically it. Uh, but the best part of California is that everything has free refills. You can buy... A small cup, and you can go back as many times as you like. What a dream for someone who is 16 years old! It's fantastic. Again and again and again, you're coming back for this. And in the same way, Christians, once you taste of divine love, you can't stop going back. Again and again and again, if you start in love, then your life continues in love. All of our lives, we're drinking from an infinite supply of love. Paul tries to convey that idea kind of geometrically, plotting it on a graph. He says, you don't know how high and wide and breadth and length, and he's like, that's not going to work. What I need is something bigger. Paradox. How do I convey this? You're never going to reach the end of it. It's knowing love that surpasses knowledge. It's literally unknowable. And he says, I want you to know it. I want you to experience it, even a little bit. There's a real knowing there, a real experience of God's love. You can learn loads of facts. You can learn lots of stuff. But until you grasp it, until you hold tight, lean on it, treasure it, you'll never know it. And if you know it, you can never get enough. You'll never stop going back for refills. I just want to say If you've been around church, or if this is maybe you're just checking out Jesus, you haven't experienced that love yet. If you can say, Jesus loves me and it does nothing for you, I reckon prayer, along with Paul, is the best way to start. Ask God to reveal it to you, to bring divine power into your life. Ask God to let you experience that. It's like literally life changing. Literally life changing. What does that mean in real life? Well, New Year's, here we are, is a time of resolutions. Here's how I reckon the love of Christ changes a few of them. Uh, The big one, of course, uh, fitness, or beauty. There we go. Maybe next one. Uh, About 50% of people this year are going to commit to better fitness. It makes sense. We're a bit of a beauty-obsessed culture. It's uh, why gyms have such a high rate of membership in January and such a low rate in Feb. Uh, if we knew the love of Christ, what might that change about our future goals, our fitness goals? Um, a few weeks ago, I cut my own hair. Thank you for the compliments. Um, first thing you do when you cut your own hair, you, you start noticing the things people say about it. It's very neutral. So a lot of people just say, hey, you got a haircut. I did get a haircut. Is that a good or a bad thing? I cut it. Oh, did you? Couldn't tell. Oh, fantastic. Uh, You're very self-conscious about these things. Um, uh, But I think what the love of Christ does for that, it doesn't matter what you look like. Jesus loves you. Doesn't matter how fit you are, Jesus loves you. Doesn't matter what's going on in your body, He loves you more than you can know. You'll never reach the end of that love. He's made you beautiful already by choosing you, by redeeming you, by making you like Himself. And if you want to go to the gym, go for it. I recommend. Uh, God loves when we are good stewards of our bodies. But If you're going to make yourself more desirable, more lovable, God loves you more than you can know. You'll never reach the end of that love. You don't need to try to work for it. Uh, Related to that, I think our generation recognizes we have a problem with beauty, which is why we're so keen on self-love. Mental health is a huge one. About 40% of people are resolving to improve their mental health. Great thing. Here for it. We have a booklet up the back. Uh, Loving God when life hurts. Fantastic. We recommend. But life is overwhelming and it's stressful and it's chaotic. Bad things happen in life. It's not all optimism. Uh, So much of our self-love is tied up into our performance, our identity, who we are, what we're doing, where we're going. And if we really knew the love of Christ, what might that change about our mental health goals? I think he just says, I love you. Despite your performance, despite who you are, despite what you've done, where you're going, I love you. You don't have to to find any worthiness in yourself. That cyclical thinking of unworthiness is just broken because, yes, you are unworthy. God loves you despite that. In fact, the more you know it, the more you'll drink of his love. And it's an inexhaustible well of love. He's ready to lavish you with it. And uh, I guess tied to mental health, um, about 25% of people are aiming for a better work-life balance, more time with friends and family, Uh, good things again. But you notice what Paul says in verse 17 there. He asks that we might grasp the love of Christ with all of the saints. Why is that? Why, why do all of us need to know it? Because I think if you know it, if I know it and you know it, our relationship completely transforms. Uh, relationships are messy. Often we don't get too deep to avoid that. Christ cuts through that. He says, I'm going to love you despite the messiness. Uh, Gary Chapman, who wrote the five love languages, a bit of a classic, uses this idea of a love tank. He says, um, basically, the more you're filled with love, the more optimistic you are, the more happier you are, you find more joy in life, things are great, I um, just feel good when I feel loved. Uh, and so the five, language, five love languages do that for you. Uh, quality time, physical touch, the other three. Um, they don't matter. Uh, and so for him... We fill up our tanks as people pour into us. And then as social neglect, conflicts, things happen in life that aren't fun, that drains our tanks and we need more filling in. I think Jesus says to that, I'm ready to fill your tank. I love you more than anything. You think that you need someone else to fill you and I'm here ready to pour my love into your life. Life can always be sunshine. It's tough. It's not easy. But we have optimism because of what God does for us, because of how much he loves us. And so I don't know how you are ending 2023, but God, no matter what day you've kind of had, is going to pour his love into you and fill that tank. Maybe this year has left you on edge. Maybe you're broken. Maybe you're terrified to let people in, to let you know what's going on. And if you haven't experienced the love of God before, pray for it. Pray for God to dwell in your heart, for Christ to dwell there, and you'll experience his love. If you're a Christian and you know this love, I reckon start meditating on it, start praying for more. Too often we think we've got it, we've graduated. You're like, oh, the love of Christ is a sermon, come on. But you can't graduate because there's a danger there. You see it there in verse 19. You can sing all, the, all of your life. Jesus loves me. This I know. Yes. Jesus loves me. And you go, you get that? Cool, give me something a bit more dense, a bit more chewy. Until you see what love does, Paul wants us to know that Christ's love, how big and wide the love that's unknowable, so that you will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, of God himself, filling you to the measure. What does that mean? Being filled with God, you see it in Ephesians 4, he says, we become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Like we're filled with Christ, we're filled with God as we experience his love. We become mature, we become more like God as we experience his love. And so what does ultimate reality do to your nine-to-five, your day-to-day? Well, as you're strengthened with power, you become more mature. As you become more mature, you know more love. As you know more love, you become more mature. And you know more love, and you become more mature, and you know more love. It's a, this beautiful spiral. It's not a, not a circle. It's an upward spiral. It's an upward spiral into God himself. It's like a, a, a feedback loop. If you know the, the idea, if I put this microphone in front of that speaker, the speaker will spew sound on my microphone. My microphone will pick it up and spew it back out in this giant cycle until the speaker breaks. So don't do that. Uh, or if we are trees planted in love, we are drawing up love through our roots. As we mature as trees, we grow into God. As we grow into God, we produce fruit. It comes from his character. As we produce fruit, we draw up more love. And we keep growing and growing. Or if you're going for free refills, you've bought a small cup when you become a Christian. As you go back for more, as you go back for more again and again and again, someone hands you a bigger cup. Suddenly you're getting more and more and more and then someone hands you a large and you get more and more than a jumbo and suddenly you're experiencing love on things you'd never thought possible. It's changing your entire life. And so you can sing. You can sing, Jesus loves me, but if it doesn't move you to tears, I reckon start praying for maturity, get that cycle going, that upward spiral into God himself. Nothing more beautiful, I think, than seeing someone 98, Singing, Jesus loves me with tears in your eyes. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm going for. To know the love of God so deeply. I think a good place to start again with Paul, prayer. Ask God to show you. Show you how much you need him. It would be very humbling, no doubt, to see your need before you. But we have a great need and a great saviour and a great love for our need you'll never reach the bottom. You'll never reach the limits of Christ's love. As we grow and mature, we become more like Jesus and we can experience more of it. And you become more like Jesus and you experience more of it. And love matures you. And you're like, this is exhausting. <laughs> That's a big spiral. <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's, the, what's the goal of all of this? What's this perpetual upward spiral metaphor? Why, why are we doing this? You see then, The glory of God is cyclical. God is working from and to his own glory. You see it in uh, verse 16 there. It says, I pray out of his glorious riches, or the riches of his glory, that he may strengthen you with power. Why would God do that? Why would he answer that prayer? Not only is he inexhaustibly loving, he is inexhaustibly glorious. When he pours from the riches of his glory, he is not stingy. He's taking withdrawal from a gold mine. He's taking a light bulb full of light from the sun, a thimble full of love from his ocean. And then take a look, verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God is pouring out his glory from an inexhaustible source, this Niagara Falls of glory, into your life as you grow and mature and like the water cycle, it returns back to him. It's this beautiful water cycle of of glory. I'm very visual, so this helps me out. From the riches of God's glory, he pours power into your life and making you alive. As you experience his love is making you like himself. That upward spiral returns riches to God's glory. And so, what do you want for your 2024? What are you resolving to do? What are you praying for this year? Is it for this? Are you praying with me? I think my resolution this year, every night before bed, just to get the habit in my mind power and love in my life to make me like Jesus. I'm going to pray the same for all of you as well. And then each morning I'm going to wake up and fill my love tank with the love of God, the love of Christ, because there's an inexhaustible well of it. There you go. You can keep me all accountable there through the year, but are you praying with him? Are you praying with Paul for power and love in your life to the glory of God? If you are, listen. He is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. We've seen what that power is already. It's divine life. It's divine power bringing you to life, making you more like Jesus, and God is able to do more than you ask or think. He is so eager to lavish you with his power, with his love, and he will because he is pouring out of the riches of his glory. He will grant that prayer. If you are keen to dig into a bit more, I highly recommend this one, Deeper by Dane Ortland. Anything Dane Ortland writes is essentially chicken soup for the soul. (laughs) So I highly recommend, if you want to grow in the love of Christ, if you want to mature this year, pray, dwell, meditate on it. So to him who is able to do immeasurably more, than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is it work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's work and mature this year for the glory and praise of God. Let me pray.